The following podcast is a Green Fresh Media production. Can you imagine like raising humans? Like literally like (laughs) teaching them values, making sure they know how to spell, like especially culture defines what's beautiful, what's not. This is something I've realized that beauty is so not something that you could put into a box. Three, two, one. Live life, breathe air, somehow I gotta get Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey guys, it's your host, Assam. And Emma. Here with another episode of Before, Before We, we make, make It. Whoop. Whoop, whoop. Today's episode, I'm so I'm excited. Same. I feel like we start off every episode like that. Like, I'm so excited for today's episode. This is going to be a great genuine. one. No, it is. This one is honestly very special, I think, to both of us. So we're definitely going to get into it. But why don't we start off with a quick little reality check? Because you're obviously doing a lot. I am busy doing not traveling, but <laughs> applying for jobs. Stop. So definitely different updates. But why don't you go ahead and kind of fill everyone in on what you've been up to? For sure. Firstly, though, let me say that it feels like we're on a show, like an iCarly show, because I'm always saying that the countdown literally makes it feel like we're going to be like, three, two, one. Live life, breathe it, somehow I gotta get there. Yeah, it literally feels like that every time because we have like the big numbers pop up on the screen. It's like five, four. I love it. It makes me feel so good. I love it so much. But for my reality check, I've been doing great. Um, currently in a three-week trip across the Netherlands, Germany, Switzerland, and Austria. I'm so grateful that I have locals here that are my friends from my study abroad program. I did a study abroad program in Barcelona, Spain in 2020, right before the pandemic. And I just love that I get to be here with people that know the city, that know like where to go and can like educate me also on the culture and really just give me like an immersive experience. And it's given me so much stimulation that I'm like, I don't even know where to channel that into. Because initially I wanted to channel it into my writing and have my scenes be more colorful. But I'm just like, the setting is New York City. It's not necessarily Europe. So I'm just like trying to figure out a way to merge the two realities into my book reality. But I've been doing really good. I feel like traveling makes you a problem solver. It makes you super intuitive and it makes you flexible with your life and just not really care so much about everything falling into place perfectly. So yeah, I've been on just like a constant adventure kind of vibe, but I'm going to be exhausted at the end and I will need like a week of sleep. So... (laughs) Honestly, I am living vicariously through you. I love everything that you've been posting. And so, no, I mean, I feel like it's just one of those things that you have to do when you get the chance because like you're obviously going to start work in a couple of months and this is it. Like this is your time Mm -hmm. to just take in the world, go traveling, go see friends, relax. And obviously like getting inspiration for your book, I think is a huge plus. So I'm Mm -hmm. excited for you. Thank you. I'm excited for you. Because you're on the hunt for a dream job and it's going to happen. Oh my gosh. I uh, like, I feel like that's my update every single week. I'm just like, hey guys. So lately, you know, just nothing <laughs> much like applying for jobs. That's genuinely, I think applying for jobs is a full-time job in and of itself because mm-hmm. you just, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I think, especially in writing, I am being way too much of a perfectionist right now. And I'm doing all this research on like what a writer's cover letter looks like. It's getting to be very overwhelming, but I'm also just trying to remind myself that there is no other option really. Like I have to get a job. I want to get a job mm-hmm. obviously, but like I absolutely just have to keep going forward. So that's just, what's been keeping me going. But honestly, my days have consisted of lots of coffee, lots 
lots of job apps and then trying to also like infuse fun things in my routine, even though right now it just feels Mm. it just feels kind of stagnant in a way, you know, like the same thing every day and then not really seeing immediate results. Like I'm trying to just keep thinking future wise, like, okay, it's going to be okay in the next like a month or so everything will work out. But as far as like recently, I went to the cabins with my family and it was just the nicest getaway. Mm. I downloaded a ton of podcasts and I'm going to mention the podcast that I've been obsessed with in Are Truly Obsessed. But this podcast just like really put things into perspective for me as far as like something that I might be interested in more in the future. And I feel like you know, I also want to write a book eventually too. And getting getting a ton of insight on different relationships is so helpful for that. So yeah, it was just it was just a great weekend away, like getting in nature, being away from my phone and just kind of taking a break. So yeah, I think you've been so resilient in your job search. And I think that's so good because whenever you're in an ambiguous place, like it's the easiest thing to let doubt creep in. Even when you're not in an ambiguous place, you're in like a stable job or a stable situation environment, you could still let doubt creep in. And I think that's one of those mental journeys that you have to really like stick to your core and your foundational beliefs in. So I think that's really good. But tell people like give people a little rundown of like what you're looking for job wise and why. Yeah, well, thank you for saying that. I mean, it's also even though like I'm applying for jobs every day, pretty much. And I went through a month long interview process, which ended with me not even getting the job. So like that can tell you exactly like how frustrating it's been, honestly, because you put so much time into something and then it just doesn't work out. But to be specific, I'm looking for something in the magazine industry. So just like right off the bat, any sort of writer positions. But I'm also open to like editorial assistant positions just because I'm trying to find my way in. And I don't know that I necessarily want to be writing articles for the rest of my life because obviously like I want to delve into other things. And even podcasting is like such a different medium to like communicate through. And I feel like that's Mm -hmm. also so fun. But I feel like writing is going to be my way in to maybe something else in the magazine industry that I find even more exhilarating. So if any of y'all know magazines that are looking for writers, editorial assistants, anything that you think would be relevant for me and good for like my specific skill set, which is basically just, I don't even know, like speaking, maybe writing, obviously, and coming up with different ideas for pitches, I feel like is a strong suit. So I don't know what is happening. I'm like saying my whole resume on here. (laughs) But yeah, if you know of any magazines in Texas, out of Texas, feel free to let me know because definitely looking for any and all jobs related to that. But yeah, it's like weird. When you're in an ambiguous state, it's like you're so focused and narrowed in on like getting that thing done. But you have to remember that your life is now and you have to like enjoy things that are going on outside of that stressful part of your life. So it's been a challenge, but it's been very, very good to just like learn how to balance all that. I'm so happy for you. And honestly, we're a community here on Before We Make It. If you need help finding something, if you need you know, to tap into our network and find someone that has some sort of expertise for you, like, please let us know. I think that's awesome that Emma, you're like going through this journey and you have so many people in your corner and definitely reach out to us if you have any opportunities, guys. And I will say for me, like if you're interested in contemporary fiction, novels, anything like that, I will be looking for beta readers soon. And that's like a terrifying concept, but it's something that I have to come to terms with. And I would love for anyone interested to just message me on at the sound rights. I was going to say, I want to be a beta reader so bad. Like I sign up. This is my messaging you on Dasam Rights, but faster. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. No, I, I, you would be the best beta reader because Emma's just like an avid reader and you're also just really, really good at 
critiquing any sort of artistic medium, whether that's verbal, visual, whatever. But I'm just like terrified. So yeah, let me just take a breath and think about that one. Oh my gosh. You're like, I don't want you to judge me. Like, I don't want you to be the first one. I mean, honestly, look, if if you want someone to be a braided reader and give you, yeah, you're right. It's like, you're so good at criticism. But no, I mean, if you can't find other people, I would I would love to step in. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to have you uh, read over my stuff. Just, uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> just talking about it is just a thing, guys. But anyway, let's get on into Truly Obsessed. Take it away, Emma. Okay, so like I mentioned before, I have been in love with this new pod. Well, it's actually not a new podcast. It came out a few years ago. It's called Where Should We Begin with Esther Perel. It's new to me. Esther Perel is a relationship therapist and she's been on Girls Gotta Eat podcast. We met at Acme podcast and I'm pretty sure Call Her Daddy. I'm not positive, but I do know that there is like that Alex is obsessed with her. So she is just so insightful, so smart. And every single episode is like a therapy session with different couples. And there's a ton of different issues that they talk about, like infidelity and losing like that romantic spark in the relationship. And also like parents not liking their son or daughter's significant other. And so it's really interesting and just so educational. So that one's awesome. If you like couples therapy, you'll love this one. The second favorite is a beauty favorite. It is the John Frieda Frizz Ease Serum. Guys, this product is absolute magic. If you have frizzy hair, you need to go get this. People talked about it for years, like different beauty vloggers, but I never really cared. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with my Garnier for teeth. But this serum, I swear, (laughs) you just need like a very tiny little pump. You put it on right after the shower when your hair is wet. And I use like a t-shirt to to dry my hair instead of a towel because apparently that helps frizz. And when Mm. I blow dry my hair after taking my hair out of the t-shirt, it's just has no frizz. And it is an insane like definitely recommend that one my last favorite is I've been trying to have like a calmer night routine so like taking melatonin Mm. and of course like spraying pillow mist so it's called the restful moon pillow mist from bath and body works it's patchouli and sandalwood vanilla and it's the best smell ever I've had it for multiple years I've gone through a ton of these bottles in our old college station apartment for example I got one like every single year and my room just smelled like this so this one is just it's like a calming scent it's very light it's made of essential oils and I know that Bath & Water has like eucalyptus and spearmint and other like Ooh. lavender vanilla scents. So if you're looking for something just to like help you calm down at night and just feel really nice and happy, that one is a favorite for sure. I'm scared of pillow mist because don't they kind of irritate your skin? Because my face like breaks out so easily from my pillow. That's actually a great question. On the bottle, it says spray like 15 to 20 minutes before you're going to get into bed. So that way your skin doesn't get irritated by like that immediate contact. So yeah, I would just spray it like a little before you get in don't like spray it and then immediately like hop into bed because it might irritate your skin a little bit okay sounds amazing yeah I'm super down like literally anything to help me sleep at night because lately I have been unable to get sleep I just go on a YouTube rabbit hole or I just have so many thoughts like I've just been on since I've been on this trip in Europe and I feel like it's been a little difficult to rest my mind so anything to get me through like seriously so for me guys first of all the pretty grainy filter on Instagram stories we're literally going to talk about this on this app just like the unrealistic beauty standard that is set for women in our society. But the pretty grainy filter, it makes you look just like so snatched, so put together, you know, like red lips, whatever. But then also your environment, it makes it look very movie-esque, theatrical. I've gotten a lot of compliments on it and I've just been loving it. So that's kind of the lens through which I view life at this point. And then cinnamon rolls in the Netherlands, it's a whole other beast of a dessert that is so insanely like intoxicating as in it has a crunchy exterior inside. It's like very soft, very moist or whatever. Um, It's sweet, but 
kind of salty, and it's just so delicious. So cinnamon rolls for sure. And then last but not least, turtlenecks. I'm wearing a turtleneck right now. It's like white and it's been getting really cold here. So a turtleneck to put under your many layers just feels classy. Like you're not wearing like a huge scarf that makes you look like you don't have a neck, but the turtleneck is just warm and soft and I've been loving them lately. So that's it for me. Where do you recommend getting your turtlenecks from? Because I feel like some of them swallow like your neck up, but like yours don't look like that. Like yours look really classy and clean. So please give us the recs. Well, thank you. I think Zara has some cute ones. Um, also, like there are some European brands like Pull and Bear and other stories. Also, honestly, like Madewell. I feel like you could just find classic ones everywhere, but you do have to go for something that's not only thick, but not swallowy. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a fine line to tread on. Yeah, I think also the one you're wearing has like those ruffles, right? I think I almost wore that one for some dinner that we went to. Ooh, yes. Yeah, when Emma and I used to swap closets in college, that was fun. (laughs) Yeah, no, I want to get into it more because I like the way it looks with like a coat over top, even though it's not cold here. But when I do go somewhere (laughs) that it is cold, I feel like that would be a really nice look. For sure. Well, let's get into today's episode. This is The Divine Feminine. As quoted by the Mac Miller. I think it was like his album in, what year was it? That's what kind of made me think of this at first. Hold on, guys. Okay. The Divine I love that name though. Right? So 2016. But why don't we go over the definition of Divine Feminine? And you can kind of like give us a breakdown of what it is. Yes. So I love this concept of the Divine Feminine. I think in the 21st century, it's really come to life. It's like bloomed into a whole other thing because this era of like women empowerment didn't start until not that long ago. And there's so many opportunities that are at our disposal now, but there are also limitations that come with it, you know, more responsibility, obviously more privilege, more reward, etc. And honestly, just like the idea of being like a very womanly woman, like attitude, confidence, and the way that you carry yourself, your aura, it's all within that, you know? Yeah. And giving you guys like an exact definition of divine feminine. And this is just what I found on a Bustle article by Nina Khan, just to reference it. I know a lot of people have very similar definitions, though. So personally, for me, like I've always thought of divine feminine as like this Greek goddess with flowing hair and she has flowers on her head, <laughs> like a very specific look and a very specific energy. Aphrodite. Exactly. Yeah, that's literally what I would define divine feminine as. But it is defined as an energy believed to exist in all women and to embrace it is to find strength in our own softness and challenge society's idea of what it means to be empowered. And so there's a lot of things that we are going to kind of break down in this episode. But first, let's start off with just just like questions and anecdotes about like being a woman in the 21st century, because obviously women, I think some people would say that we are like the weaker sex. And I say that with quotes, like air quotes, that we're the weaker sex, that we are made to like be in the kitchen and not do hard work like men can do. And there's just this stereotype around. And I don't know that it's necessarily as prevalent as it was maybe say like 20, 30 years ago. But I feel like Mm -hmm. even in today's society, it's still this vision that some people have for women. And it's honestly so limiting. But I feel like by continuing to talk about it and give more attention to it and sort of like destigmatize that idea, we eliminate it completely. I hope that eventually it will be eliminated in future generations. Yes, totally agree. I think there's two sides to the puzzle. As in there's the embodiment of like a really boss woman who is completely independent and very far removed from her feminine nature, which is something I think we need to embody in our spirit. And we also need to like embrace it. And then there's the other side, which is very nurturing, like mother nature vibes, like 
very domestic, very just like submissive, but not in a bad way, in like a servanthood way, which I think is also a beautiful concept. So as a woman in the 21st century, like personally, I think I've like suppressed my feminine energy for a long time. And I really just like delved into my masculine energy because personally, that's something that has served me as someone who's been independent. Like I literally did not have a relationship like a romantic one until I was like 21. And I think that really attributed to my desire to be successful, ambitious, and really just driven, you know, like an executing mindset rather than a delivery of like grace and just joy and like that kind of thing, which isn't a bad thing. But I do think that there's a part of the culture and the societal standards around women just going after their goals today that has influenced it. But it gets to a point where you suppress your feminine energy, which isn't good either. That's so interesting that you say that because I think I've done that subconsciously because like I've been told that feminine energy is weaker, is more vulnerable. And in order to compete against men and compete just at large, you have to embrace the masculine side of yourself. You have to be tough. You have to be emotionless. But I think the thing about empowering yourself is embracing all of those aspects, like embracing the fact that you Mm -hmm. are female and there's so much power in that. Like genuinely, I think women are so powerful and so strong. Like I'm not even saying that to be cheesy. I just, I just think that that's so true. Like women have a way of, in our emotional intelligence, we have a way of understanding people in a way that like isn't necessarily common for men. And so I feel like that is something that we need to leverage in the workplace and in relationships and just in general. And we've seen that happen so much over the past few years, especially with like big podcasts, even like Call Her Daddy. Like I know that that's obviously like, you know, sex and relationships based, but in her being so open about things, I feel like that is influencing women to speak up about obviously more than just, you know, liberating themselves, Mm -hmm. but just in general, taking the reins of their own life and feeling free to speak about things that I think were taboo in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this is crazy because in my Spanish class in senior year, there was a poet named Delmira Agostini. She's from Uruguay. And she would write these extremely like lustful poems about what it's like to be a woman and really flourish in her desire. And that was seen as extremely controversial during her time period because women were not allowed to seek pleasure in those kind of intimate ways. You know, like that was like a men's thing, right? And she just like broke stereotypes and our class like really studied the empowering ways in which she would articulate womenly emotions in a way that was powerful. And there was a sense of ownership rather than a sense of like shame and embarrassment. I think there's something to be said about like the quiet grace of a woman, but also like the ability of ours to be so empathetic, like you said, and just understand the emotions of ourselves and others on a level that is so introspective And sometimes it could be looked down upon like, oh, she's an overthinker. Oh, she's crazy. Oh, she's too attached, whatever. And I think that's really bad because that feminine energy is literally what keeps a household alive, keeps a friendship alive. And men have it too. They just don't tap into it as much. Mm -hmm. And I think men gain a lot from being around that feminine energy, from being told by a woman, like what they think about something that he does that maybe isn't, you know, correct or isn't right. I feel like they balance each other out in a lot of really great ways. And I don't think that we should be afraid to like be feminine too, if like that's how you are, if that's what you naturally lean towards. Like you said, you were suppressing that feminine energy for so long in exchange for like those more masculine traits, which are like being Mm -hmm. tough and ambitious and all those things women can be and women are and women have been. But I feel like by suppressing the part of ourselves that is more feminine, 
we're denying ourselves of like who we actually are. It's crazy because like even in older movies and especially it's it's funny, I've seen it a lot in like the books written by Taylor Jenkins Reid. They're all mm-hmm. written from women perspectives and there's so much power in the way that they use their words and even their looks to their advantage. Like they're so cunning, they're so smart. And I feel like we need to tap into that more instead of push it away and be like, no, like that's girly and that's weak. And I also just want to say one thing, like for a while, I thought that being a woman who chose to be more domestic and like go straight from like college, Mm -hmm. getting married and having kids and not really aspiring to have a, like a, a super ambitious career. I feel like I thought of that as just something that like wasn't really embracing like that whole girl boss mentality and wasn't stepping Mm -hmm. into like our full power. But I've realized recently that like there is so much strength in being like a mother and being someone who Mm -hmm. like raises kids. Like it, that Mm -hmm. is literally a full-time job. And I have so much respect for people that do decide to do that. So I know we're going to talk a lot about like career and obviously like stepping into that more like aspirational big city life in a way because that's what you want. And that's what I want. But there's no wrong way to be a woman. And there's no wrong way to work as a woman. Yes. And I just want to add, I was watching a TED talk yesterday with my friend here. Uh, It's called like why there are few women leaders by Shel Sandberg, the CEO of Facebook. And she was saying that like being a mother is the hardest job to do. Unfortunately, the data showed in her TED talk that if a woman and a man like come together, they have a family, whatever, they're raising a child and they are both full time occupied with their jobs, then like the woman is likely to do two times as much chores as a man and three times as much childcare as a man. And it's so interesting because those are the roles that society has defined for us. And it's something that we should lean into, right? But there's also the limitations of if you do too much of that house care, child care, whatever, and you're also in a full-time job, then you're more likely to give up that full-time job. So I think it's a balance of like making sure that this is where I thrive, but it's not only where I thrive. And it's not something that I should be expected to do. Like it's also where men could thrive as well. It's like yin and yang, right? There's a balance of masculine, feminine, all of us. And we should lean into what we naturally are inclined to be, but also like make sure that other side is flourishing as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine like raising humans? Like no. literally like <laughs> teaching them values, making sure they know how to spell. Like it's the hardest job in the world. That's why. It's the hardest job in the world. Anyway, let's let's kind of move on because we have a lot of other things that we need to talk about. But yes. I was thinking about this concept of like, what does it mean to be a womanly woman? Because for the majority of my life, I have felt mm-hmm. more like a girl than a woman. And like, especially when we go out, I see all of these like girls that look like supermodels. And I feel <laughs> just, I mean, I don't, uh, I know, right? It's like, oh, like you shouldn't think that of yourself. But really and truly, that's just been something that I'm trying to move past and trying to understand better because I am 22. Like I shouldn't feel like a little girl, but I still do. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. First of all, like women have this psychological prowess in which they're able to be super humble and see themselves from other people's perspectives rather than like, I'm the best and all my success is attributed to me, whatever, you know? Like women are very community oriented, I think naturally. And that's not to say that men aren't, but I think men are sometimes more centric in the way that they view themselves in the scope of society. It's interesting because I've never felt that I was like a little girl. Like I've always felt older than my age and I've always felt like 
way older than my age, like a woman since I was like very young, which is so dumb. <laughs> no, um, but then it's when other people treat me like, oh, she's so sweet. Or, you know, I'm in an airport and like hustling and people are like, oh, you could go ahead of me, sweetie. Like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. That's when I'm like, oh, this is how other people view me. And I think that may impact sometimes your security in the sense of like speaking up or going after things because you don't want to overstep. And maybe as a girl, like you're not supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you have a point there, like saying that it's when you're around other people and when they treat you that way. Because when I'm by myself or with friends that I am close to, or like just, I guess, in daily life, like I feel good. I feel pretty good about myself. I like who I am, obviously, like always trying to be better, but I'm generally happy with myself. And I think when it comes to being in environments where you're expected to be grown up, where you're expected to act mature and you you are put against like other people who are very adult for example, like the perfect mm-hmm. environment, I think for this example is like a bar, like a nightclub. When we go out together as friends, especially like we're with people that are a lot older than us. So like you see 30 year olds out, for example, and it <laughs> makes you feel like, wait, where am I? What am I stepping into? And what do I look like in comparison to those women over there that are talking to like these big shot, like guys that have <laughs> bar service? Is that what it's called? Oh my gosh, what is it called? Not bar service, uh, bottle service for like all of these people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that's mostly when it comes out is like when we're out with other people, people that we don't know, people that we do know, and you're expected to look and act a certain way. Yeah, I see what you mean. Kind of like being the Marilyn Monroe of your society and wanting to aspire to be someone that's like, you know, very sexy and confident and also just like admired as an attractive woman. I think there is a lot of pressure there. And I think there's almost too much pressure there in a sense, like as a woman, like your beauty is everything. And we have biological clocks, we have physical limitations to reaching beauty standards. And I think it's just a lot of work when your sole identity is in your attractiveness and in your desire because why should we care what men think of us? Well, because like a lot of our value and worth is sometimes attributed to that. And especially in the past when women physically could not work by themselves or even like own houses by themselves or do anything independently. Like, I mean, there's still countries nowadays, like, I mean, especially look in Afghanistan, like a lot of women are suppressed of their individual rights and that causes people to fear. Like, can I even be independent, you know? Mm -hmm. And their value is literally put in their looks. It's like, who is the most attractive mate that I can acquire? Literally, that's how men would think in that day who is the most attractive mate mm-hmm. that I can fire that will that will yield this many children that are going to be you know this attractive and have these traits like I feel like that's what we've been brought up to believe is our value honestly is just like the way that we look and I think the way that we look is important the way that we carry ourselves is important the way we feel about how we look is important but it's also not everything because I think you can be super hot I mean this goes for guys too like I've met <laughs> super hot guys that like once I actually talked to them, their personality just kind of totally overshadowed their looks and like suddenly (laughs) their appearance didn't matter. And as women, I think it's so natural to put a lot of emphasis on beauty. And I think sometimes we can just get a little bit carried away with what external values are authentic to us and what external values are authentic to society at large. So like, do we Mm. even think these characteristics that like Kim Kardashian has are beautiful to us? Or are they just like beautiful for her, but maybe for our personality, for our specific look, we need to opt for something different. You know what I mean? I feel like it's very subjective. It is. And it's so hard because especially culture defines what's beautiful, what's not. This is something I've realized 
that beauty is so not something that you could put into a box. Like for example, in Europe, people embrace their pale skin. They love it. In South Korea, they try to like bleach their skin, whiten it, whatever. In the US, it's spray tan central. Like everyone's trying to get tanner, whatever, fake tans, whatever, like tanning of the sun. So beauty is so circumstantial. And it's also like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And the beholder sometimes is the culture of the country or even town or state that you live in. And when beauty becomes your identity, then your identity becomes something so materialistic, fleeting and superficial because we're not going to be youthful forever. Youth is beauty. That's why like all the Greek goddesses, they're like youthful people. They were based off of like youthful athletes, women, whatever. And just age is not something that's seen as attractive. So if your value is in something that is very temporary, then it's also very fragile. And I think with like all the beauty treatments that are out there and the emphasis to have certain features, big eyes, big lips, you know, high nose bridge, small nose, whatever, (laughs) it's too much pressure. At the end of the day, like When can you just extract that like essence from yourself and just radiate positivity and have that be perceived as beautiful instead of like a cute outfit or a cute face, you know? Yeah, this topic is seen as either black or white. So some people would say like, oh, like you shouldn't get any beauty treatments done. Like plastic surgery is a myth. Like you like it's not actual real beauty because you know, it's, it's just all fake. Like you shouldn't do that. You should just learn to love yourself without all of that extra stuff. And then other people are so for it. But I feel like we're both in this gray area of thinking that obviously like those things are external and they are not necessary to be happy with yourself. But I'm totally for it. Like I think if a beauty treatment or plastic surgery or something that you want to get done is going to eliminate that small annoyance that you feel throughout the day of like maybe a certain characteristic on your face or something like your nose, for example, if that is kind of like gnawing at you every single day, and it's come to a point where like, you're actively trying not to like show people certain sides of your profile out of fear, that they're going to see, you know, something that you're not totally confident in, and getting it done is going to make you feel better and more confident and more authentic to yourself, then I say like, you should totally do it. And obviously, like that comes with research and that comes with having the money saved up to do it. But I think like we need to stop shaming people for getting things done that make them feel better about how they look. Because at the end of the day, like the way that we carry ourselves is huge. And if it's going to be something subtle, especially, I think that's always like more power to you. Like go ahead and do it because then you're going to be like straight in the streets. You're not going to be insecure about that thing that made you feel really annoyed or really insecure for a certain time. Yeah. And I would say... I think it just needs to be acknowledged how much pressure women feel to be attractive and attractive in very certain ways. And I think it's important to acknowledge that what you find ugly could be found beautiful by someone else or by a different culture. So at the end of the day, it's about embracing yourself as you are, but indulging in like, you know, aesthetic ways of transforming yourself to feel more appealing and more comfortable in your own skin, like that shouldn't be frowned down upon. But at the same time, you should not put all of your value in it. So it's a very fine balance but it's something that as women we navigate every day and I think it's important to discuss and just bring people's awareness to it so that you don't feel one shame for wanting to appear beautiful and two you also don't feel absolutely burdened by this like weight if I have to be beautiful right so it's like truly a fine balance but it's something that we navigate and we learn from and it really helps us embrace ourselves I think 
Yeah, you definitely have to ask yourself, like, am I getting this because after the treatment, I'm going to feel like more of myself and I'm going to feel a little bit more confident. And like, obviously, it's not going to eliminate all your problems. Like it's not going to. Yeah, it's not going to zero out all the things that you've ever been insecure about. But it's going to give you that assurance that you feel just happier in your own skin. And definitely beauty is skin deep. Like you have to look inward and make sure that you're happy with your soul and you're happy with your personality. And you're doing the work that you need to do to just be an overall confident, satisfied person. But I think that like, yeah, like you said, it's definitely a fine line. So make sure you're asking yourself the questions to ensure that you're not doing it for the wrong reasons. Like you're not doing it to look like one of their Kardashians. And I keep using them as an example just because I know that they've like been very public about their work. standard. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. But I mean, a ton of people have gotten work done and it's super subtle. Like even celebrities, like you wouldn't even be able to tell. Yeah, it's crazy. Side by side. So yeah. That's such a good point because you have no idea what everyone has gotten done. And you have no idea what the models that you're seeing in magazines and the actors that you're seeing in movies have gotten done. So do not compare yourself to unrealistic beauty standards and do not feel like you have to completely transform at the same time to meet that standard. Okay, so let's talk navigating life, exploring and traveling on your own. And I feel like you have a lot to say about this, Dasan, because like you've obviously traveled to different countries by yourself. You're walking around alone. We had a previous guest on, Emily, who talked about how she like goes out at night alone. And I mean, I definitely like even in the episode, I was like, wow, that's like, that's so cool. There's other part of me that's like, um, is that safe? Like, how do you go about that in a smart way? So I want to hear from you, like kind of your perspective on it and how you've managed. Yeah, for sure. So it's so interesting because I was in Palo Alto for two weeks, uh, not too long ago. And I was visiting my boyfriend and he was like, let's go for a walk. And we went for a walk at night. And it's insane because I just like something clicked in my head and I was like, wow, this is the first time that I've ever like just like walked at night and just felt like very safe because I was with a guy and I was also in a safe neighborhood. And whenever I do go for walks at night, I usually have to be with like other people and stuff, but it's usually more than just like one other person. And I don't know, like it was just interesting because we were very, you know, in like a quiet area of the neighborhood and it was serene and stuff. And I was just like, this is such a privilege that guys have that they don't even realize. And obviously like he has roommates that always go out at night by themselves. And I think there's some privilege, honestly, that we exercise as women that live in the United States, like a developed country where there aren't super strict rules and regulations against women traveling independently. But I think in other countries, like where there's high crime rates, et cetera, like it's really difficult for women to not be objectified and to not, you know, be in danger whenever they walk across the street. And I think it's something that is honestly really sad in a lot of ways. And it's something that you have to navigate with a sense of like logical responsibility about yourself, but then also realizing like, I shouldn't let this limit me. I just need to do it safely. Definitely. I think part of empowering yourself as a woman is taking care of yourself and making sure that you're doing the things that are protecting your well-being. So, and, and that also means like, looking out for the well-being of your friends, right? Because like, even when you're out mm-hmm. at a bar, like if you see one of your friends being approached by a guy that just feels uncomfy, like, you know, obviously go with them to the bathroom, like make sure that you guys are like in communication with each other. Like don't let them leave with a stranger. Make sure that y'all are watching your drinks. Like those sort of things I think are just best practices to make sure that you're doing regularly because you never know. And it like, it is sad. It's so sad that we live in a society, we live in a world where it's just commonplace for men to do these things and for Mm -hmm. women to feel afraid to like go anywhere by themselves. Like even when I go on my runs, like I do get scared. I'm like, 
looking over my shoulder, hoping that like there's not some random guy that's going to jump out and kidnap me. But like you said, we shouldn't live in fear. But if we're going to do those things and obviously like exercise our right to be independent, then we need to be smart about it. You know, like carry pepper spray, Mm -hmm. get one of those little like cat, uh, like those cat ear devices. I think you can find them on Amazon. They go on like, oh my gosh. Yeah, those are, yeah, like a little mini weapon. Take a (laughs) self-defense class. Like just honestly, I think overall, be vigilant and take care of yourself mm-hmm. and your friends. Like seriously, there was this one time, I don't know if you remember, we went out to Northgate. Northgate is a bar strip. Yes, Northgate is like our bar district in our old college town. So there were these guys that were trying to get like our whole group to like go home with them. And it was actually the night of the fight. <laughs> they were trying to get us to go home with them. And it was just really It sounds weird. like we're... <laughs> It sounds like we put ourselves in dangerous situations, but we truly don't. Like this is just like a public fight that happened and we were just like out normal college, you know, nightlife. Yeah. Yes. We we did not start the fight. There was someone else that approached our friend group and initiated a fight. It was wild. We should honestly talk about that later. But mm-hmm. there, about that same night, there were these guys that were approaching me and a friend of mine and trying to get us to go home with them. And then the other half of our friend group was like pulling us away. They were like, no, like we're not going to do that. Like blah, blah. And I am so grateful that we had each other because I was not in a state of mind to like make a decision. And I know for a fact, like it felt so uncomfortable to me. It felt dangerous. Mm -hmm. It felt scary. So I think like that is just such an important thing. Like even when you are, honestly, especially when you're drinking alcohol, like be vigilant and be protective of yourself and the people around you. Yes, because you are truly like valuable, honestly. And I just feel like, women's bodies specifically can be seen as you know something that's like really beautiful because it does so much it literally births children it could also be something that is seen as desirable and like wanted and I just think you need to be careful because you know you have like assets that like probably a lot of men like want etc but at the same time like we're not trying to bash men for having desire that's like not it it's really about the safety mindset around women Yeah. And we'll move on to the next and very last topic. All right. So should I wear this or not? And this is something that I think you and I have both dealt with, with like older people in our families sort of judging (laughs) us for wearing certain things that are very common. (laughs) Like it's so common for college girls to wear like tube tops, crop tops, skirts. Exactly. Yes. Oh my gosh. Especially leggings. Like in school, it was so frowned upon and like you'd get detention for wearing leggings. But I was just like in high school. Yes, in high school. Yeah. Did they enforce those rules at your high school? Well, when I was in middle school, I went to a middle school that would literally require you to tuck in your shirt and wear a belt, I think, just so that everyone looked good and you would get detention if you didn't tuck in your shirt. And I just thought that was ridiculous. Um, But that was the thing. And, you know, I just think there is an aspect of like wanting to protect, you know, girls and also men and whatever. But there's also a sense of like freedom in the sense of like women should be able to wear what they want and what they find empowering without feeling like they're putting themselves in dangerous situations. And also for us, it's like it's a trendy thing to like buy the cutest clothes from our favorite stores. Like, for example, Princess Polly always has like a ton of cute going out stuff. And I know like you would always get a ton of like new going out clothes. And I think that it's sad that something so innocent and fun can be turned dangerous in like a matter of seconds just by the choices of the men around us that decide to not avert their eyes and make you feel uncomfortable. But I will say that there are men who don't make me feel uncomfortable, who I can wear those things in front of, and it doesn't feel like I'm in imminent danger and it doesn't feel like I'm being disrespected, which gives even further validation 
to the fact that it's not the woman's fault for wearing what she wants to wear. And I think people, parents need to teach their sons to avert their eyes, to be respectful to the women that they're around and to obviously like not do that thing where I think creepy old men do this a lot. Like they'll just blatantly look you up and down without even worrying. <laughs> like if you see them, that needs to be done away with. Yeah, it's going to take a huge shift, honestly, mm-hmm. for men and women to just be in a place of like equality and comfort and in what they wear and whatever. And I think there's also an aspect of this that is cultural. Because again, like I was in South Korea for like a month and a half visiting family and I could not wear anything remotely revealing without getting a ton of stares, unfortunately, from like older men. For example, like I could not wear yoga pants. I could not wear crop tops. I could not wear anything that was like strapless or shoulder, like off the shoulder. Um, And I couldn't wear anything really tight or short. And it was just like uncomfortable to have to modify my closet in order to like respect the standards of the culture that I was in, but also like necessary in some ways. I don't think things will change overnight, but I do Mm -hmm. think that we as people who have a voice and we as people who are experiencing this and don't want our future daughters to experience it should like take steps forward to make sure that people are like raising their kids a little differently and just changing the perspective, you know, because as women, like we should be able to wear what we want to wear. And I know, especially if you're just like naturally like more bustier <laughs> in certain areas, then it's even harder. And the shame that comes with that, especially publicly or even like in private, I just think that's, you know, something that should be done away with, like you said. But the culture aspect is something that's huge. And I know for women in Afghanistan, they can't even wear anything that shows like their ankles or even like their shoulders or something. And I think that's really tragic. Um, And hopefully, like from a broader perspective, it'll change over the generations. Mm -hmm. I honestly want to bring in like a professional to talk about this more, like a psychologist or Mm -hmm. something. I don't even know. Just someone that can give us more background. And like, like, like you said, it is not going to change overnight. Like even, you know, in talking about it on the podcast and bringing attention to it, this isn't going to automatically change people's perspectives on it. And, and certainly not men's actions. But I think when you're in that situation, like, what do you do? Because sometimes like I will make eye contact with the guy and like kind of stare him down so he looks away. But like when you were being, (laughs) when you were being stared at that way, like, did you just keep walking or like, how did you sort of handle it? (laughs) This is so funny because I'm the exact same way. I'm kind of audacious, you know? So like if people would stare at me, I would literally just like stare right back at them until they looked away. But, you know, in Korean culture, like that's disrespectful, like especially if they're older than you. And also in other countries, like developing countries, it could be dangerous and you could actually get attacked. So it's a fine line, you know, like I don't think any woman deserves to feel shame. I also don't think any woman deserves to basically have to counteract like what's going on or like be responsible for attacking back to something that makes them feel uncomfortable. So I think it comes down to just honestly trying to avoid those kind of characters. And if it does happen, then remove yourself from the scenario because you don't know what kind of person they are. You don't know what kind of attentions they have. And it's obviously could be dangerous, unfortunately. And women are somewhat disadvantaged as far as like physically being like less strong in many situations, not all. So yeah, I think it's important to like own it, but also be aware of the situation that you're in and the setting that you're in with certain kinds of people that could be dangerous. Mm-hmm. So literally right back, it, it comes back full circle. Like empowering yourself is taking care of yourself. Empowering yourself is being vigilant and being aware of your surroundings, who's around you. And also like traveling in packs when you can, you know, like be with your friend or honestly, something I do Seriously. is like get on a phone call with my mom or my dad 
or a close friend, sibling, whatever, and make sure that like the other person, if someone is like watching me or something, like they know that I'm on the phone with a family member. So like they're kind of like screwed if they try to like do anything. But wow, this was honestly, I want to do like a part two of this because we have a lot of other stuff that we can definitely go deeper into. But this was such a great conversation. I loved it. I really hope y'all enjoyed it. And if you have any opinions at all, just please let us know. And honestly, we want to use our Facebook group more. (laughs) So maybe we'll put a conversational question in the group chat and y'all could talk about it amongst yourselves. But if you're a woman out there, feel empowered. If you're a man out there, feel respectful because (laughs) those are the best things that you could do right now, honestly. Um, But yeah, love y'all. All All right. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us at Before You Make It on Instagram. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter. We release one every single Monday. We definitely want to have you keeping up to date on there. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because we want to hear your ratings and reviews on the podcast as long as they're good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, honestly, we're going to do like a review haul or something essentially very soon and just like highlight some of our key listeners. So please like leave us a review. If you want to just leave us some kind words via Instagram DM, we can share those as well. So check us out, turn on your notifications for every time we post and share us with any friends or family that you think might be interested. All right. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Bye. Bye.